You see, love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is not uh, any of them because it is an action. It's a verb. And when you love someone, your actions show that. You treat them with preferential treatment. The Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one more than this than to lay down his life for his friends. The action here is laying down your life. Lay down the things you want and pick up the things they want. That's how you love other people. Thank you for listening to the Calhoun Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Mark Abney. Brother Mark preached from John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35 in his sermon titled, Love. And now, Brother Mark. Well, it's almost Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day means love, and so this message is entitled Love. And I'm taking it out of John 13, 34, and 35. The Gospel of John, chapter 13, 34, and 35. I have to apologize for last week because the verse I give you was one chapter off Instead of 16 or 76, it was 75. And some of y'all probably found that searching around. You said, oh, here it is, here it is. So I, I was... Praise God. And if I ever do that, just try to correct me or, or I'll correct it next week or let me know or something because I did see some, some kind of blank stares out there and I was wondering what was going on. I, I really didn't know. But Lori informed me later, she goes, that was not the right verse. That's something about, something about horses and chariots. <laughs> so anyway, sometimes Drew catches me when I'm sending him the message like on Friday to put on the, on the website. He'll say, well, that don't seem like the right verse for that scripture or whatever, or for that title. And so he'll catch me. But uh, it's only happened three or four times. So even, even pastors make mistakes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> John 13, would you stand with me as we read this verse out of the Holy Word? A new command I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for love. We thank you that you're the author of love and you are love. And Lord, you placed your love in us and you expect us to use your love to glorify you. Lord, I pray that these, this message today would go deep into our hearts, that we might take it and put it there and that we might ruminate upon it, that we might bring it up over and over and, and study it and think about it and use it, Lord, so that you might be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, Amen. And our chiefs are there. Hooray, hooray, hooray. And the... The chiefs are important to the message today because our chiefs have one of the most powerful offenses in the NFL. And that offense is the most, 
powerful weapon. And so I'm, I'm trying to get, 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 get my uh, attire opened up here because the, the chiefs are going to help me with this message because they have a great offense and love for a Christian is an offensive weapon. We've studied the armor of God before, and we know that the, that the armor of God has offensive weapons and defensive weapons. But uh, the, the, the weapons of defense are like the helmet and the shield and the shoes. And all these help to stop the, the advance of the opponent. And you need a good defense. But you also need a good offense so that you can score. And we know that one of the best offensive weapons is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Valentine's Day, also called St. Valentine's Day, or the Feast of St. Valentine, is celebrated annually on February 14th. It originated as a Christian feast day honoring one or two of the early Christian martyrs named St. Valentine. In fact, there was a lot of them after they were martyred were called St. Valentine. And so it is a holiday, a Christian holiday, respecting those who have died for the faith. Because it's Sunday and it's close to Valentine's Day, I want to talk about this offensive weapon of love. You say, Pastor, I don't recall love being one of the weapons in the armor of God. Well, that's okay, because we know that love, from that passage of Scripture we read, is in the Word of God, and the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. If you're going to advance the kingdom of God... You must use the sword of God. You must use His Word. Contained in the sword of God, the Word of God, is the most powerful weapon called love. When everything else is stripped away from you as a believer and you have nothing left, three things remain that cannot be taken from you. Faith, hope, and love. Nothing can take them from you. They remain. The greatest of them, the Bible says in the love chapter, is love. Without love, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Without love, you cannot know God. Without love, you cannot share the gospel. Without love, you cannot grow in the grace of God. Without love, you will die and go to hell. We've all been called to love and we've all been equipped with the ability to love as we ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart and we're expected to employ love as a weapon in the battle that we are in here on this earth until the day Jesus comes back. So the first thing I want to talk about is we are called to love. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 John 4, 7. Every believer has been called by God to love. Truth is, when you ask Jesus in your heart, He placed His love inside you, and He expects you to use it for His glory. You see, coercion or force doesn't work well to get people to love one another. So God has placed His Spirit inside of you to help you love 
when loving others is impossible. Do you ever struggle with loving other people? Yeah? A few of you are honest. <laughs> Some of the rest of you can get right later. The altar will be open. <laughs> but if you're honest, apart from the Holy Spirit of God empowering us, we do not have the ability to love other people. It's just not in us. If loved up to, loved, loved up to us, we would not love others most of the time because it is really hard to love other people. They don't think like I think. They don't act like I act. They don't do the same things that I do. They don't drive like I drive. They don't like the chiefs like I do. They don't, they don't hate coconut like I do. They don't, uh, they don't like conversation hearts. In fact, I'm on my fourth bag of conversation hearts. Jeff, give me one. I bought two and finished all them off. And if you don't like conversation hearts, there's something wrong with you, Lori. <laughs> It's just impossible to love other people. It is. It really is hard. But that's why God gave us a helper. He knew we couldn't do it without a helper, so he placed his spirit inside of us. You see, love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is not uh, any of them because it is an action. It's a verb. And when you love someone, your actions show that. You treat them with preferential treatment. The Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one more than this than to lay down his life for his friends. The action here is laying down your life. Lay down the things you want and pick up the things they want. That's how you love other people. Putting someone else ahead of you. This is the greatest act of love. You cannot love someone without action. If you say you love something, do this test. Do I lay down my life for it and will it have an effect on it if I do? My wife says she loves shoes. Can you lay down your life for the shoes? And if you did, would it have an effect on your shoes? Probably won't pass the test. <laughs> but we say we love all kinds of things. I love my car. I love my house. I love this food. I love that. I love. We use love kind of flippantly, right? We do all the time. But we really don't love them things because we don't lay down our life for them, right? It's just a, 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 an expression, a way to say that I really like this a lot, okay? But it's not love. You cannot love inanimate objects. You cannot love shoes or houses or cars or jobs or hunting or even you can't love fishing. I'm sorry. I, 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 can't, I like it a lot, but I don't love it. You can't even love the chiefs. <laughs> you can like them a lot, but you cannot lay down your life for the chiefs. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except a continuing debt to love one another. For who, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and what other other commandment there may be are summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
Therefore, love is fulfilled in the law. You see, love is very important offensive weapon in the Word of God. It's greater than all the other commandments. Is to love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord. In fact, if we don't love our, our neighbor, if we've got something against our neighbor, we're not even supposed to bring an offering to God apart from what we don't go back and love our neighbor first and get that right, and then we can come and love God. God says, love your neighbor and get right with your neighbor before you come get right with me. Because we need our horizontal relationships right so that our vertical relationship is correct. Luke 6.31, the Bible says the action of love is we show others that we want to treat them like we want to be treated. We want to treat them like we want to be treated. Matthew 5.44, Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. And well, now we're really getting into it, right? It's not just love your neighbor or treat others like you want to be treated, but now Jesus said even greater, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who use you and persecute you. Why? Because if you love them and by some means from loving them, they see Jesus in you and they ask you about Jesus and you tell them about Jesus and they recognize who Jesus is and they accept the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the good news, and they ask Jesus to come into their heart, they won't be your enemy any longer. <laughs> Amen? The action is to love those people who are unlovable. Love others whether they love the chiefs or not. Love them even if they love the raiders. Heard a story about a little boy in school. Teacher said, all you kids who love the raiders, raise your hands. And all the kids raise their hands except this one little boy. And this little boy didn't raise his hands. She goes, don't you love the raiders? He said, no, ma'am. He says, well, who do you love? I love the chiefs, he said. He said, well, why do you love the chiefs? says, my mom and dad love the chiefs. He says, well, what if your mom and dad were idiots? What would that mean? He says, I guess I'd love the Raiders. <laughs> John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By all this, men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How are they going to know we are Christians? By our love. That's how they know who we are. That's how they know who we worship. That's how we know who is Lord of our life. Because when we love others who are unlovable, they say, how do you do that? And you say, Jesus. Here in this verse, you and I are commanded to love people. Why? So that they'll know we're God's children. When we love people, they're drawn to Christ. Because they want what we have. People don't care how much you talk about loving others until they experience you loving them. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I can tell you every day that I love you, but if I didn't do anything to show my love, then you would not think much of my words. They would just be vanity. Nor would you feel the love I possess or have for you. The Bible says a husband should show his wife how much he loves her by laying down his life for her. And Jesus said there's no greater act of worship than this, to lay down your life for another. That means you put them first 
in all things. When God puts love and compassion in your heart towards someone else, He's offering you an opportunity to pour out into someone else and make a difference in their life. A study once disclosed that if mom and dad attend church regularly, 72% of the children will be believers and faithful. And if dad only uh, is the only believer in the family, 55% of the children remain faithful. If mom, only 15% of the children will remain faithful. And if neither, there's only a possibility of 6% of the children come into faith. The statistics speak for themselves. The action of parents and adults are more important than all the efforts of the church. Most of us are aware today, because of our parents' example, that's why we are who we are. That's why we act the way we act. Likewise, if our parents are loving, there's a good possibility that we as children will be loving. Not if you were to say to your child, do as I say and not as I do, you might not get any action out of them. But Jesus said, as you have loved, as you have been loved, so you must love one another. So Jesus loved us because he died for us, because he went to the cross and he hung on the cross and he took all of our sins upon himself who was sinless. And he died for us and he loved us so much that he died for every person. He laid down his life for every person that was ever born. No one could do such a great act except Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he's the greatest of all servants. He shows the greatest love of anybody because he laid down his life for all people. A few people have joined the military or been in the military, and they've laid down their life for our country, and they are great among us. They're veterans. Some of you have laid down your life for others, and you're great among them. I doubt seriously if we'll ever love others as well as Jesus has loved us. But when we demonstrate our love to others, we walk in his steps. And when we love, we share with others the huge difference that Jesus has made in our lives. We are called to love. Secondly, God is love. 1 John 4, 8 through 10, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How do you and I know that God is the author of love? because he loved us before we were ever able to love him back. John 3.16 nails it down by saying God loved us and he showed us by his actions in sending his one and only son to be the atonement for our sins. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his love to us that while we were still sinners, his enemy, he loved us and he went to the cross and died for us. When we were still an enemy of God, He still loved us and He still gave His Son for the reconciliation of our sins so that we could be righteous and come into His presence. You see, God loves everyone. God loves every person that has ever lived. Every person that is alive 
and every person that will ever be born. He loves them all in the same way because He sent Jesus for every one of them. The Creator of love, who loves all people, who gave us the greatest gift of love ever recorded. And He loves us so much that He allows us free will to accept His love or reject it. If you accept His gift of love, He places His love in you. This is what brings credibility to the verse that states that God is love and whoever does not love does not know God because God is love and if you love God, God is in you, so His love is in you. And if His love is in you, His love comes out of you because the Holy Spirit will manifest Himself in you and that love will pour out of you and into others. The greatest problems that you and I face here on earth is not loving others and not loving God. You see, every sin is a result of not loving. When couples fight, the action of love is not there. They are not laying down their lives for the other person. There is no action of love. You see, love is a choice. There is no such thing as I fell in love or fell out of love. For love is a choice. You choose to love or you choose not to love. It's your choice. You can choose the love that God sent through Jesus Christ to us as a gift and accept that, or you can reject it. You can choose not to accept the love of God. John is clear. If you don't love, then you do not know God, because God is love. God is the only creator of love, not only the creator of love, but he is the definition of love. God is love. If he was to look up love in the biblical dictionary, it would say God, because God is the definition of love. It's unconditional love. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been through, God still loves you with the same love. So what's your picture of God? What's he like in your mind? God is love, and everything about God defines love. Following is a description of God's love to us. Mercy is God's forgiving love. Grace is God's undeserving love. Peace is God's comforting love. God's will is his inerrant love. Jesus is God's sacrificial love. Sanctification is God's nurturing love. Heaven is God's rewarding love. And eternity is his never-ending love. Remember the story of the prodigal? Luke 15, 11 through 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, father, give me this, my share of the estate. So he divided his property among his sons. And not too long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. And he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth. And there was a severe famine in the whole country. And after he had spent everything, he began to be in need. And so he hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went back to his father. 
While he was still a long ways off, his father saw him. He was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him and he said, kill the fatted calf, put him on, put on a robe and a ring. We're going to have a great party for my son who was lost has been found. Do you see God in this picture anywhere? The father in the story is God, our father, and we're all prodigals. And when we come home, God our Father comes running after us and He puts a ring on our finger. He puts a robe on our shoulders. He kills the fatted calf for there's a big party because the lost has been found. 1 John 4.8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. How do you really describe in words God who is love? God is not the essence of love. He's not the spirit of love. He's not the extreme example of love. He's not the personification of love. He's not the epitome of love. He is love. And we will know what love is and how to love when we come by faith into his presence. First, we're called to love. Second, we learn God is love. And third, we can be confident in his love. First John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Several years ago, a German scientist counted the hairs on different people's heads. For some of y'all, that'd be a challenge. For some of us, it wouldn't be too tough. He found that they vary in number depending on color, which that's interesting. There are more head, hairs on a head with black hair than there are redheads. And there's more on brown-headed people than on black. And there's more on blonde-headed people than on brown. I don't know if this is any significance or not. But a black-haired woman has about 110,000 hairs on her head. And a blonde, about 140,000 hairs. That's interesting numbers. The average woman with a thick head of hair will lose up to 100 hairs a day. And those are the ones that clog up the sink and the bathtub and all that other stuff. Yeah. The average man shaving every day shaves about 1 64th of an inch of whiskers. That means between the ages of 20 and 65, if he did not shave, he would have a 20 three foot long beard. <laughs> that would be a big one. But Matthew says in 10, 29 and 31, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. God knows exactly how many you have. It's a good thing that God chose us before we were born. Otherwise, he might not have. No, really. If God knew exact, God knows exactly who we were before we were ever born, before we were ever woven together by his hand in our mother's womb, God knew us. And he knows us well today the same way. And he still loves us. Romans 3, 10 through 12, there's no one righteous, no, not one. There's not one person who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. And there is no one who does good, not even one. You see, every one of us have rebelled against God. We were born that way. 
But God's love is the greatest of all love. It's supreme. It's supernatural love. The assurance of God's love is the fact that God gave His Son to pay for our sins on the cross, that even when we did not love Him, He still loved us with the same love. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and no matter how many hairs you have on your head, God loves you. In conclusion, 1 John 4, 11 says, Dear friends, since God loves us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is manifested in us. You see, you are the God that some people are going to see because they're going to see Jesus in you. And that Jesus in you is what's going to draw them to God. And since God loves us, we should love others. This verse tells us that when we love God, God's love is manifest in us, and we love those around us with the love that God loves us with so that others see that love of God in us, and then they ask us, where did that love come from? And we say, I'm so glad you asked, because that gives me the opportunity to tell you where the love of God comes from. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason why you have that hope in you, that love that's in you, with meekness and fear. What's that mean? It means we love other people with the love that Jesus gave us and placed in us. And then when they ask us about that love, we tell them the gospel message. We tell them what Jesus has done in our heart so that they too might experience the love of God. We must be prepared to tell others the reason we love them and others the way we do things because it's the good news, the gospel, and the salvation. Matthew 12, 33 and 34 says, Make a, a tree good and its fruit will be good, and a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, when God put that love inside of us, it's in our heart. And when it comes out, it comes out of our mouth. And we love other people with actions and words and deeds. All the issues of life come out of the heart and out of your mouth. And we all need a new heart. We all need the heart of Jesus. When we step out in faith and accept the free gift of love, which God gave through the atonement provided by Jesus Christ, God's only Son, you and I begin to love like Jesus did. Let's all stand and bow our heads. Close our eyes and pray. If you've, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never found the love of God, and you don't have the love of God in you, but you want that love. Then you pray this prayer after me. You say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's only son. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I am a sinner. I want you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. And I want you to take me to heaven someday. I want the love of God in me. 
Thank you for saving me. And if you prayed that simple prayer and meant it from your heart, then you just received a down payment of the Holy Spirit and the love of God. And He's placed it in you. And now your responsibility is to go and share that love with other people. Believers, we can, we can become stagnant. We can become indifferent to other people. And we can walk around and not show the love of God. We can quench the Spirit. But listen, God wants to love other people through you. And He's going to place them in your path so that you have the opportunity to share the love that God has given you so that they might find that same love. And that's why we're called to love as believers. The Bible says that, that we're to love everybody and the people in the church even more. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes some of the, the greatest animosity in us is in, within people in the church. Lord, I pray that would not be so. Lord, I pray that we would offer up forgiveness, that we would make amends, that we would set things right that we might have the love that you've called us to have. That unconditional, the love that passes all understanding. The love that Jesus has, that you placed in us. Lord, may we manifest it in our lives so that people may find you. Lord, I don't know every decision that's been made, but you do. And Lord, every person you who makes decisions, you call them to make them public. And so Lord, I pray that we would step out in faith, trusting you, and know, Lord, that you will honor our words, our, our confession. When we confess our faith in you, it says the angels in heaven rejoice. Lord, when we confess our sins to one another, you say they're forgiven. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would do that very thing today, that amends would be made, that love would be shown, and that you would be glorified in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. And the church said, we're singing page. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you are touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life, but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way, encouraging you to be active in the local church, and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you, however you respond. Please let us know. 